it's easy to think about the past hour, or the past day, or the past week. Extend your reach and the month will be familiar too. Continue on to a year, and then gaps will appear in your memory. The further you go back in time, the difficult it is to remember what occurred. Such is the issue of the historian who wishes to understand the events of the past. Many individuals from several different societies have developed calendars that help us make sense of everything. But even then, there is room for disagreement. The most commonly used calendar in the world is the Gregorian calendar, named for Pope Gregory XIII. In 1582 AD, he established the calendar as a replacement and an update to the older Julian calendar, which itself was the creation of Julius Caesar in 46 BC. Both calendars had the same purpose. The year was divided into 12 months, with the months at their current lengths. However, the Julian calendar originally reduced the actual solar year by 10 minutes. Trivial? Perhaps. But from its inception, the Julian calendar gradually began to slow down the passage of time. Every three years, a leap day had to be added as an attempt to correct this. However, the years continued to shorten until the time of Pope Gregory himself, when Christmas Day was now 10 days behind schedule. As Christmas was seen as an important day, the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, it was urgent that something be done. Thus, Pope Gregory sought to reform the calendar and institute his own. The difference? Those 10 unnecessary days were removed, and the leap day was added every four years, on February 29th. Our last leap year was in 2016, and the next will be in 2020. This reform greatly improved the accuracy of counting the years and was widely accepted among the Catholic Church. It took two centuries before the Protestants made the switch, and now most of the world uses the Gregorian system, save for some of the Orthodox churches. What makes the Gregorian and Julian calendars unique are the way that they divide the past. Both calendars officially start in 1 AD, that is Anno Domini, a Latin phrase meaning in the year of our Lord. Thus, we are currently in the year of our Lord 2019. All times prior to 1 AD are labeled with BC, which means, in basic English, before Christ. The decision to start the date in 1 AD stemmed from the work of Dionysius Exiguus, a monk of the Eastern Roman Empire, who developed the system in 525 AD. It is unclear as to why Dionysius argued that Jesus of Nazareth was born on 1 AD, but no matter how he came to that conclusion, we now recognize that he was mistaken. The work of biblical scholars and other historians have argued that the most accurate date for the birth of Jesus was sometime in the year 4 BC, and no, it would not have been on Christmas. That is the current consensus, so both calendars are technically flawed in this respect. Despite this, the Gregorian calendar is the most accurate method for calculating time, as it closely matches the actual solar year, and there are no signs that will be replaced anytime soon. But others have tried. In 1993, geologist Caesar Emiliani created his Holocene calendar. He recognized the accuracy of the Gregorian calendar and its system of leap years, but he was concerned that the recognition of a year of the Lord posed a philosophical problem for historians. While the life of Jesus and the advent of Christianity were and are important events in their own right, in the grand scheme of human history, highlighting this date of birth is, to put it as polite as possible, arbitrary. Many regions around the world do not have any means to recognize this era, nor they have known of Jesus himself. In the pre-Columbian Americas, for example, it can be argued that the effects of Christianity wouldn't take part until Christopher Columbus and his men forcibly placed them upon the indigenous peoples of the Caribbean 
after 1492 AD. Then there's the inconsistency of a lack of a year zero. There's no zero BC nor zero AD. It goes from one BC straight into one AD. It's a strange mathematical situation. As a better and more holistic solution, Caesar Emiliani's calendar begins roughly at the start of the Holocene Epoch, the time in the geologic history of the Earth to which we currently live. The International Commission of Stratigraphy recognizes the beginning of the Holocene at 11,700 years ago, but Caesar's calendar extends to 12,000 years ago. It's based on an earlier calculation. Within this period of time, all of human civilization developed, from the earliest agricultural projects and community structures to the modern age. Thus, Cicer argues, the beginning of the Holocene is a more noteworthy start to a calendar. In essence, 10,000 years are added to AD dates, and BC dates are to be subtracted from 10,001. That makes our current year 12,019 of the human era. This is the calendar's Anno Domini, and it also gives us a year zero. It's a nice system, in this historian's opinion, and others have made attempts to gain the calendar more acceptance. But for now, it's a niche calendar. Moving on to the other concerns in understanding time, we recognize that our calendars only work to a limit. When a historian finds a document that was written before the advent of the Gregorian or Julian calendar, that is, another calendrical system is used, or just none at all, they have to find a means to place the true age of the document in its place. Archaeologists face this issue too. Nearly all of their finds lack signatures or dates, so they have to find other ways to calculate their true age. In the study of time, there is relative dating and there is absolute dating. Relative dating is elementary. As I previously described in my discussion of archaeological methods, artifacts and settlements buried in the uppermost layers of the ground are younger than those buried below them. Archaeologists can excavate many items from several layers and then place these in a row and trace their development over time. Flinders Petrie, an Egyptologist working at the beginning of the 1900s, famously cataloged hundreds of preserved Egyptian pots and placed them in an intricate system from oldest to newest. In doing so, he was able to identify any pot that came his way just from its shape and form alone. Absolute dating is more precise, and its methods varied, but always based upon the rate of decay of atoms. In radiocarbon dating, samples are recovered from organic materials like wood, bone, coal, and hair. Chemists recognize that carbon-14 is taken in by plants during photosynthesis, where it is converted into oxygen. These plants can be ingested by animals that will eventually die, or the plants will die on their own, or the wood from trees is cut and repurposed into furniture or housing, which will eventually be destroyed by rotting or by fire or whatever. In any case, the exchange of carbon for oxygen ceases, and the carbon-14 undergoes decay at a known rate. The half-life of carbon-14, the time when half of all the carbon has decayed, is 5,730 years. The older a sample is, the less carbon-14 it has, and this can be taken back 50 to 40,000 years, when nearly all of the carbon has broken down. By taking organic samples, archaeologists can measure the rate of decay and determine how old the samples are, and these can be checked against our own calendar for precision. The other method is potassium-argon dating. Here the situation is similar. Potassium atoms decay at a known rate, only this time they develop into a new atom, argon. Samples have to be uncovered in volcanic rocks in order for potassium-argon dating to work, but the method is great for remains as old as 4.5 billion years. As you might guess, this is 
one of the preferred methods of archaeologists concerned with the earliest humans and their ancestors. There are other methods as well, but I'll leave you all with these for now. It's important to recognize that historical records do not have to end with writings or even oral traditions. They can be extended as far as the beginnings of the earth. Historians today have access to a larger set piece than they previously had. To continue this episode, please go to part four.